everyone. Welcome back to Central American Voices. This is Susan Garcia. Hola, bienvenidos a Voces Centroamericanas. Mi nombre es Alejandra Quiroz. Le agradecemos por sintonizarnos una vez más. On today's episode, we talk with Isabella Roa, a Salvadorian based in New York City. Welcome, Isabel, to our show. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Isabel. Thank you for being with us today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, hi. Thank you for having me. Um, I am a Salvadoreña, born here in the States, in New York City. I was born in Brooklyn. Um, I'm the firstborn of three to two padres salvadoreños. I've been living in New York City for most of my life. And I am a graphic designer who also runs her own uh, art account, uh, Arte Bandida, on Instagram, where I also have a little store. Yes, I think I love your page. You have amazing designs, uh, I, I, especially when it comes to Central American graphic designers. It's a, it's re really a blessing on my feed. So thank you for your work. Um, I've been following you for quite some time. So you said you were born and raised in New York City. Um, uh -huh. Can you tell us about the how it was growing up there as a Salvadoreña? in terms of just in general terms, but also how the Central American community was there and how that relationship evolved as you grew up? Okay, mm -hmm. so uh, my story is actually pretty interesting because while I was born and mostly raised in New York City, there was a time where I moved for two years to Kentucky. So, and oh, I was very cool. young, yeah. So I was born in Brooklyn, like I said, and, um, My my dad was a do was a doctor, so he spent most of his time in this hospital. My mom was at home. Luckily for her, um, she made a friend um, through Avon. She was just so happy to be Salvadoreña. So um, my community growing up was my father's family who was here and my mom's friend. Other than that, I didn't really know any other Salvadorian like kids or anything my age. Um, So that's what I knew from the start, like just my mom's friends and my dad's family. That was our little community. Whenever we had parties, right. we would all gather around. We, that's where I listened to Salvadoreña Cumbia, Cumbia, you know, and all this music that I still listen to to this day. Um, so I was exposed because my mom, she was very homesick. So she was like, I'm going to make El Salvador in my apartment. So whenever we had like big parties mm -hmm. and stuff, it was like we were in El Salvador. So, yeah. yeah. So That's also so nice. we went, we, I've, I was very privileged that my dad had the money to take us to El Salvador on a pretty yearly basis. So when we weren't in New York City, we were in El Salvador. But then mm. we went to Kentucky because uh, the government told my dad, if you want permanent residency, since his, he was a doctor, either you go back to El Salvador and then come back or we send you somewhere. So my dad, not wanting to separate us, uh, he said, okay, send us somewhere. And it was in Kentucky. It was a very small town where we were the only Latin American uh, family there. Mm. And in my class, it was just me and two other kids who were of color. Wow. So um, it was like a very, it was culture shock because I went from being surrounded by Salvadorans to being surrounded by nobody like me. You know, so um, I did experience bullying because, you know, of the way I spoke. My first language was Spanish. So I did struggle with English in the beginning um, for be for looking different. 
I remember that for graduation, they had me perform twice in Spanish and I was the only one performing alone. Wow. Yeah. So I think like my, it's, I always say that school is like the first, one of the first moments in one's life where you get out of the the house, you know, like you experience Mm -hmm. community. That's not your family. Mm-hmm. And my mm-hmm. first experience was racism and being like outcasted as yeah. different. Mm-hmm. So that definitely shaped my life. We came back to New York and it was definitely a lot better because, you know, I was surrounded by Latin American kids again. And I remember just being relieved. <laughs> Even at like <laughs> six years old, I was like, thank God, like yeah. I'm not the only one, right. you know? So, but I guess because I was so starved of being, of wanting to be a part of something. I didn't really have a lot of Salvadorans. Like I said, in Ridgewood, Queens, there's not, Ridgewood, Glendale, there isn't a lot of Salvadorans at all. Mm -hmm. It's mostly, I think, Puerto Rican, Dominican, Mexican, you know, the big, I like to say the big three of New York City. Yeah. Um, So I just kind of, yeah, not at all. So I like to, I, I guess I just kind of gravitated towards, uh, Puerto Ricans. So that was my community growing up before I discovered mm-hmm. Salvadoran community online, basically. Yeah. Um, so I guess my experience has been like, I just kind of, I was so like starved for a community because growing up, I was the only Salvadoran anybody knew. You know, there was even like moments where people were like, El Salvador was that, you know? <laughs> so yeah. uh, definitely. I, I had a very limited community growing up and it was mostly from my parents. I didn't have any, the first Central American friend I made was in high school and she was Panamanian. Mm-hmm. So oh. it, I was 14 when I made my first Central wow. American friend. Yeah. Wow. That sounds pretty yeah. isolating. Yeah, yeah. You were six, right? <laughs> you were six. Well, I was six when I came, when I went to school with other Latino kids, but oh, okay. my first, so, yeah. I was four or five years old when I went to a school in Kentucky. So oh it was, it was like a very crucial moment in my life where, you know, I remember crying, you know, a lot to my mom saying like, you know, I hate being different because the only friends I had was, uh, the only other girl of color who was half black and a kid with a speech impediment. So we were like a little group of outcasts mm. but because we were so different. The other kids kind of were like, no, we're, we don't want to include you in things. And it was, it was like, I, I kind of wished there was other people like me because I didn't yeah. want to be not a part of something, you know, right. especially when yeah. you're a kid, you want to be a part of a group. Mm-hmm. And from the beginning, you know, the teachers will point out how I'm bilingual, how cool it is. And the other kids were kind of like, sigh, I mean, like, huh. <laughs> you know? And I was just like, it's not my fault. I, I know two languages, right. you know? But, you know, I, I just remember feeling like, why am I so different? I don't. And I think that's where my diaspora came in, mm. where, you know, when I went to Salvador, I felt even though I was different because I wasn't raised there, I I felt like I belonged there more. But I also knew I wasn't born there. So I didn't belong there, you know. Right. And then when I went back to home. I felt mm-hmm. like everybody was pointing out how different I was, like a Salvador. That, I've never heard some Salvador before. Mm-hmm. You know, what's Salvadoran cuisine like? What's the culture? Nobody knew anything, you know? Mm-hmm. So we were, like, me and my family, you know, for a lot of people, were the first Salvador, exposure to Salvadoran culture and mm-hmm. just 
Salvadorans in general. So it was, it was a very complicated, um, experience growing up, I'd like to say. Yeah. Wow. So at what point, because you talk about how you wanted to be a part of something and it kind of sounds like you have found that. So when were you able to, I guess, make a connection to the Central American community that you were looking for as a kid? I guess uh, I just started to uh, post Salvadorian stuff on Tumblr um, way -hmm. back in the early 2010s. And then I saw that people started blogging it and commenting on it like, oh, yeah, I'm from Salvador. I'm from Salvador too. My family's from Salvador. And I'm like, that's cool. So I just started following a bunch of people. To this day, we still follow each other, Instagram and social media. And I think that that was like, I was in my early 20s and I'm 30 now. And to this day, like, I, I feel so happy that I found it because even if I'm not like, I don't know people personally all the time, I just still feel like finally I'm a part of something, you know, and just having all these Salvadoran Americans following me on Tumblr was like, wow, like I know Salvadorians now. (laughs) Like I would talk about these people to my friends. Like I knew them. Like, right. oh, you know, uh-huh. this person posted this. It was, and I would show them and they'd be like, well, do you know them? I'd be like, no, we talk online <laughs> about our ourselves and our families, you know? So that, that was probably my twenties and on Tumblr and then on Instagram where I finally found Central America, uh, the Central American community online. And mm-hmm. to me, I think it was like, again, I was just so happy, you know, and I've met a few people too. And, um, it's just so surreal to me, I guess, that I found Salvadorians outside of Salvador because growing up, I didn't have that. So I I think it's better to have it now than never. You know, I do mm-hmm. wish sometimes I had it when I was like younger, when I was feeling lonely and like different. But I think that I'm also able to appreciate it a lot more because I didn't have those things growing up. And that's amazing how you were able to find, you know, a community not only, you know, online because i feel like now with social media i think we get to know more people like like us you know like i met susan through uh through instagram so i feel like it's really nice that you were able to meet others like you yeah the internet's really come a long way (laughs) yeah and i no i was just gonna say like i I feel like the, the community is growing that way and then i was i'm i'm glad that you were able to see how it was growing you know from Tumblr to like now Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all that. Yeah. Yeah. When you said um on Tumblr, because I, I, when I was, I was obsessed with Tumblr at that time as well, but I was like in seventh grade, I think. Um, just, you know, like I, I remember those days and I was really much in it and I'm like, was there a Central American scene happening on Tumblr this whole time? <laughs> yeah, that's how I felt. I was like, where do these people come from? And I was in my 20s. You know, so I was like, what? where have you guys been? <laughs> You've been here? Oh, my God. It's like, do you know the hashtag Central American Twitter? Yeah. Central American Twitter. That is a concept. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, like, um, I remember I just decided to post uh, Central American slangs on a post and it got a lot of reblogs. And I was like, who are these people? So I just started (laughs) to to find out. And to this day, I'm still really cool with them. And I think that post that I made is what kind of let the world know that I'm here. And I'm a Salvadoreña and I'm also Central American and I know slang. 
And I guess that's how I didn't, I kind of outreach to people. I use the hashtag Salvadoran and then the rest is history and I'm here now. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Just fun fact, I don't know what is Tumblr. <laughs> you know, I feel like, no, because I, I mean, I didn't grow up here. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like back in Honduras, like it was only Facebook and I had to sneak in like my Facebook account that way my parents couldn't. They didn't know that, you know. So oh, I came yeah. here when I was like in 2011. So pretty much oh, wow. was only faith. Yeah, that's where it all began. <laughs> I definitely think the Central American community has kind of moved on from Tumblr. You know, we, we had fun there, but it's it's time to grow. <laughs> Twitter and Instagram is where it's at now. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's thriving so much. Um, so. Before going on, because again, you mentioned your Arte Bandida account. Mm-hmm. Um, you also talked about how you had, you're the oldest of siblings. And so I was yeah. wondering if, I guess the role of, you know, like, of course, your parents have a certain role in, I guess, educating you and exposing you about being like being Salvadorian and mm-hmm. exposing you to that culture. And like you said, when every time they had a party, it would be El Salvador in your house. Yeah. Um, but I guess how how did that work with your siblings who were maybe going through similar things as you? I think for my siblings, uh, I was kind of like a bridge before them between my parents and like the real world. You know, I didn't have anybody to tell me how things are done in school and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, they kind of had me, you know, where I kind of, especially with my sister, she's five years younger. Um, I let her know, like, you know, she also had the privilege of going to school with a bunch of Latino kids. So I think that also was more easier on her because while she didn't know any other Salvadoreño kid, you know, Salvadoreña, um, she was able to say, okay, you know, like their mommy and daddy speak the same language as my mommies and daddies. So it wasn't like a culture shock for her, you mm-hmm. know? And she also had me to kind of explain things like, um, it's, it's not about like, you know, we're from a different country and there's nothing to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. And I think that was very important for my siblings because they don't feel the same like struggle or like, you know, they're, they're not, they're more assimilated than I am, I believe. Mm-hmm. you know where they don't really feel the the level of diaspora that we feel kind of like dissolves with us like according to where we are like there's me my sister and then my brother my brother doesn't feel it as much as me and my sister do like mm-hmm. he's kind of like i'm salvadoran and that's all there is to it you know? <laughs> like i was born here my family's from El salvador the end like he does, he's pretty, you know, chill about it. He's very like, uh, y'all go there when I go there. Yeah. My sister's kind of in the middle where she kind of, she was there. We've actually had a conversation recently where she was like, you know, I wish I was as connected to the motherland as you. I don't mm-hmm. feel that as much. She also knows mm-hmm. not as much Spanish as I do. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. she struggles. She has a very predominant American accent in her Spanish, mm-hmm. which gets pointed out in El Salvador. And she gets a little bothered by it. Right. Because she's like, it's I stick out like a sore thumb over there. Even if I look Salvadoreña, I don't sound like it. And I think that kind of, she struggles with that, I believe. Where uh, mm-hmm. she's more Americanized because she was the second born. So she had me going to school and bringing that back. You know, she had my fa- my father who was a little more assimilated. My mother who was a little more assimilated by then. So uh, when she's here, she feels okay. When she goes over there, that's where she feels it. How different she mm-hmm. is. 
And I think that's her struggle. And whereas me, I kind of feel like I'm floating and right in the middle, you know, so where I feel different in both places. So I think definitely my role has been a bridge for my siblings and kind of like a guide, you know, where I tell them what I experienced and how, you know, they should handle it, you know, or how they should respond to it. Meanwhile, I had to figure that out all on my own Mm -hmm. because my parents were busy either raising us or going to work like, you know, my father's case. And a lot of times, you know, they, they didn't really know what to say. They didn't, they didn't go to school here. You know, they didn't have that experience. So, um, definitely I think I, I pushed myself to kind of be a guide for my siblings. Cause I've experienced some things that I was like, I don't want them to experience that. Yeah. Right. True. You know? So true. And also I think they're a little more lighter than me. You know, I'm, I'm very, mm-hmm. I'm very brown. <laughs> so definitely they had that privilege where they weren't like, pointed out as different too, too much, too often, you know? So, uh, we definitely, it's like levels of privilege when it comes to us, you know, depending on how old we are, you know, where our family was when we were growing up. And definitely, I think that they had a lot, a lot easier time assimilating than I still have, you know? So, um, but they also struggle and, we kind of try to support each other through it. Yeah, I, I I completely understand why you're talking about I'm the oldest. And for me, I am the oldest from not only my brothers, but my entire family. So all my cousins are younger than me. I was the first one in both of my family. So, you know, like uh-huh. I completely understand that I have to be there to guide everyone. And then when I am migrated here with my brother, I had to be there for him. And even though he assimilated even faster than me, he didn't have the, you know, like you said, like culture shocking because I went straight to high school and he went to elementary. When mm-hmm. he was already in high school, I already know how to guide him, what classes he needed to take. And when I was there, I didn't, like, I had to figure it out, plus learn English. So I am, I completely, like, all, everything that you said, I completely feel you as an oldest, you know, sister. And it's, it's, I feel like that's what we go through as, you know, you as a first generation and me as an immigrant, I feel like a lot of us just go through the same thing, you know, to be the first one. And then when you go to college, you're the first one to figure that out. And that's going to open the, you know, the doors for your generations to come, like, you know, with your sister, with your little brother. And, you know, even though your sister does struggle with the thing, you know, like going back to El Salvador and feeling like she doesn't belong there. I think like a struggle that we all go through, like you felt you felt it here, even though you're in the middle, like she felt it, she feels it over there. And then I, I mean, like it's something in our community that we have to become more understanding that now that the diaspora has been growing to the U.S. Right? and then to Canada, to all these places. Now we have all this um, mix of like, oh, now we have something growing, you know, in in your case, you know, in New York, but like they still belong to our community. And then it, we shouldn't be looking at each other like different just because you talk certain way or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because when I when I go to El Salvador, I've actually been pointed out that there's something there's something in my Spanish that's different. It's not American, they say. And I always say it's probably Puerto Rican because I grew up with Puerto Rican. <laughs> You know, there was a moment where I was like, you know, yeah. 
And they were like, why, yeah, what's that? (laughs) (laughs) I say that a lot, though. (laughs) And I completely forgot. I was like, oh, that's how we say it in New York. It's para, yeah. And they were like, oh, okay. I also say para because I grew up with a good amount of Dominicans. I thought that was, you say para. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny because I didn't grow up with Puerto Ricans and then the Dominicans, and I always say paya, but maybe because I listen too much reggaeton, like probably that's the reason. I mean, I'm a reggaetonera since I was six, so I use a lot of paya. Yeah, so and um, you know, it's interesting. It's that my my boyfriend, my fiance, is Puerto Rican. He's second generation here. And one of the things we've talked about is that he said, like, you know, I'm I'm so I admire you so much because he's like, I I love Puerto Rico. I don't feel as connected. I've been there, but I don't you know. I don't really, you know, I took him to El Salvador about two years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of you said, you know, it was kind of funny that, you know, Puerto Rico is closer. But we ended up going here because you're closer to your motherland. Hmm. You know, so it's it's been I think that also kind of changed my perspective on a lot because, you know, I I didn't really focus on how second generation kids feel, you know, when hmm. they're completely hmm. assimilated. I think that, you know, we I never really talked about it with my friends. And he was one of the first people to come to me being like, you know, I wish I was as connected as you are. He's like, you know, you have your struggle, but at least you know that they're, you know, that your motherland is your motherland. Like it feels like your motherland. Mm-hmm. And because he said, like, you know, he went with me and my mom, and he's like, you and your mom com- changed into completely different people when you're over there. You know, like you guys feel more at ease. You guys are more relaxed here. And he's like, when I go to Puerto Rico, I'm a tourist. Wow, interesting. Yeah, yeah very so it was very like, and I was like, you know, but he has a community here of Puerto Ricans. It's probably the biggest in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, you know, he listens to salsa, he eats all the food, you know, he's he he knows all the slang. But he's like, but there's this disconnect mm-hmm. between me and Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. which That's- is interesting. Yeah, like it, yeah. it was when we got into these talks in the beginning of a relationship. I was like, wow, like. It, this is a completely different struggle that I had no idea. I guess maybe even he didn't know until he he was he really heard me talk about how like passionately I love El Salvador, the culture, the food, everything. And he was like, I don't feel this passionate. I love it. But there's not this, this passion there. So that was it was that was very interesting. And, you know, when I have my kids, I told them, like, I want them to feel connected to both places in some mm, way. Right. Because mm-hmm. it's important to me. And clearly, if you're, you know, you're pointing out how there is this difference between you and me, it's important to you, too. Mm-hmm. So it was just it's it's very it's very it's very uh, eye opening when you're with somebody else that like is also has been immigrated here, but they're like different generation in. And um, it's just I guess it's like I said, like it's a different struggle. And that definitely opened my eyes. Like through my art account, I've definitely gotten messages of, you know, Central American Salvadoran people who are like, your art makes me want to go back to my roots because I don't know anything, you know, or I don't I don't really feel what you feel when you're making your art. So definitely like it's I think I've learned a lot now than I did as a kid. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) About like I just knew the struggle was there as a kid. But I think now it was an adult. I've kind of like learned to understand different perspectives, Mm. you know? Um, 
I guess when, as you were saying all this, I was maybe wondering if, well, did he grow up with a, you know, no, he did, right? He grew up with a big Puerto Rican community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder if maybe it's perhaps because, you know, I feel like the Puerto Rican communities in the U.S. are, I mean, it's strong. It's really strong. Yeah. And it maybe because, as you said, like you, when you grew up, like you didn't have you weren't a part of something and you grew up wanting to be a part of something. And I think that's something that a lot of Central Americans struggle with, you know, even in LA, because you're kind of, there's this like weird tension with the Mexican community Mm -hmm. uh, where, you know, you want to be included. You don't want to be worried about being different or being made fun of. You just want to be accepted. Um, And I'm thinking that maybe it's because of that, that that kind of, you know, pushes us to be like, well okay fine if we're different like let me embrace that since I'm not going to find it here to begin with which kind of maybe motivates people to look into the homeland mm-hmm. um, because as you know as I'm thinking about it like if you if you wanted to study Puerto Rican culture in the U.S. like it's different from Puerto Rican culture in Puerto Rico you know oh yeah it's- Oh yeah, definitely. You have your own slang, you have your own jokes. Like it's a different experience, and there's solidarity based on that. Um, and especially, it seems like if you're doing it together, if you're going to school together. I feel like it. You have you are part a part of a community since you're young, and I think it's just making me think maybe it's because a lot of us grew up. And I I relate to what you were saying. You know, um, for a lot of my life. And that's why like, I'm I'm here now is I've been I've, I've been wanting to be a part of that. But because mm-hmm. I couldn't find it where I was. Yeah, that's why, you know, I gravitated towards the Puerto Rican community because, you know, like I knew enough Puerto Rican stuff. I was exposed to it. And I just, you know, I kind of re- I kind of feel and also my mom went to a church that was run by Puerto Ricans. So I was surrounded with Puerto Ricans all the time, you know, so to the point where uh, I get mistaken for being part Puerto Rican. I've never gotten somewhere. Never. Really? Except for one lady who thought I was Hondureña. As soon as she's heard me talk Spanish. That's really like, oh, your accent. But I've never been like, like even more so than Mexican. I've gotten your Puerto Rican. (laughs) I don't even look at it, I guess, because like, the way I act, the way I express myself, they right. ask me like, "Are you Puerto Rican? Are you part Puerto Rican?" And I'm like, "No, <laughs> you know, yeah, so I stop, you know." And they're like, "Really? Uh, I would have never guessed." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> wow, interesting. Wow, that's so interesting. I was gonna ask. Um, so you know, you talk about how Arte Mandida has you know connected you to your community, and that's where you found your community online and then you were able to connect to other salvadoreños um so what inspired you to do your art and then the art why you want your art to inspire your community um well it started off you know i am a graphic designer so one day you know i was just like toying around with uh topography and i just started to do slang you know salvadoran slang i was like let me do this and i posted it on my personal account and it was received well and a couple of people were like you should start your own art account <laughs> just like that and i was like okay that could be a good place where i can toy around with art and you know maybe express myself or you know um 
there's a lot of stories from my end. My mom and grandmother were fantastic storytellers. So whatever, you know, I just decided to make it as a place just for to collect my art that had nothing to do with like my actual work, like, you know, like work, work. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I just, you know, announced it. And the people that told me I should start an art account, they started to, you know, share my account, like, Hey, follow this person. And it's, it's just, I didn't think it was going to grow as much, you know, it's been growing steadily and it's been inspiring me to kind of retell a lot of the lessons I've learned, the things my, those passed down from my mother and grandmother. <clears throat> and, um, it, like I said before, like I've gotten people telling me like, this makes me want to kind of re re we investigate my roots to kind of reconnect which has been really nice to hear because I'm like, you know, if whatever helps because I'm here, you know, kind of struggling with my own identity all the time. Mm-hmm. And if it makes you want to kind of reconnect with a part of a big part of your identity that you've maybe overlooked, that's great. You know, or like I do, uh, I do art about the departamentos del Salvador. And, yeah, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, snap, my family's from there. Oh, snap, you know, like <laughs> I have roots there. And it just feels nice to have people like, like, you know, kind of announce their own like part in Central America, I guess you could say. Like, even if they've never been, they know, you know, they, their parents tell them or their grandparents told them. And I guess like my art reminds them if they're not as connected as I am or other people are, my art is kind of like a reminder to them. Like, this is, this is a part of where you're from. This is a part of your history. This is part of you. And a lot, most of the time it's been happy ones, happy reminders where they're like, oh man, like, you know, I want to, I want to reconnect. You know, some people are like, there's been people like, I don't know how to make a pupusa. And I'm like, that's fine. There's, there's a uh, art accounts now that teach you, you know, there, I mean, not art, but, uh, Instagram accounts that teach you, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's, uh, there's, uh, videos now. You know, or you could just start off making tortillas or you don't even have to learn. Just appreciate them. If you, that's mm-hmm. all sometimes it takes, you know, you don't have to go the extra mile. You don't have to know Spanish. You don't. you are, you are already Salvadoran or Central American. It's a part of who you are already, mm-hmm. you know, and if being proud of it is enough to make you feel like you're doing something for yourself, at least, then that's fine. That's what I tell them. Like, it's fine if you don't know all these things, you know, it's, you're still alive. You're still growing. If you want to learn, learn. If you want to be a more proactive part of the community, start. And I'm just happy that my art inspires people to start doing that. You know, like growing up, I didn't know any Salvadoran artist besides Mm -hmm. the, I think, uh, forget his name. The guy that made basically all the artisan art, uh, he died recently forget his name. I think it's Fernando Iord or something like that. I forget his name, but that was the only one where it's like, he, he basically made the artisan stuff that we take home, like the design. He's the mm-hmm. only one I knew. I didn't even know his name, but I knew that someone made this design, <laughs> you know? Um, but I didn't know any other, you know, I didn't know any, I didn't know any Salvadoran um, singer besides Cumbia people in the States, I don't know anybody, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, now that we have so many people on Instagram, on Twitter, showcasing their talent, I think that that's a great thing. And I'm, I'm glad that I'm a part of that. That I'm a part of uh, a group of people that's like, you know, I can creatively express my appreciation for a part of who I am. 
I could creatively help people. I could creatively uh, inspire people to help the motherland, you know, or spread messages of awareness about the motherland. I'm just glad I'm a part of that because I think that uh, we were all so scattered from wars and stuff that art basically mm-hmm. helped a lot of us reconnect to each other. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, I was going to ask you, I saw one of your posts when I was looking at your Instagram. And one of the um, pieces that honestly like touched me was the one that says, traigo pedazos de mi, de mi país en mi maleta. Like, what does that mean to you? Because for me, it means a lot as an immigrant. And yeah. I feel like as you for a first generation, I think it might have another meaning. So I just wanted to know, like, you know, what does that mean to you? Well, it has double meaning because um, that was actually said by my mom, who's an immigrant. Um, she she has since she stepped on this land, I guess her first experience of the United States was a cold shoulder. So it made her even more homesick, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, she would say like she, when she was packing and she was crying, she had to go back to New York. She would say like, yo traigo pedacitos de mi familia, mi tierra y mi maleta. Like she would, that's why she would be like, you know, we're, we're taking four suitcases home. I don't care if I have to pay extra, you know, because she's like, I don't know when I'm coming back. So I'm going to bring as much stuff as I can. So I guess, and that also, you know, plays a part with me where, um, where I never, I go, I'm always bringing back suitcases full of stuff, you know, food, mm-hmm. clothes, you know, little reminders, little, little recordi- like recuerdos and stuff. And I think to me, it's just whenever we go back or whoever we come from there, um, we're, we're, we're not, we're not leaving there completely. We leave pieces of ourselves there, but we also bring pieces of our motherland back to us. You know, mm-hmm. when you see a Salvadoran household, usually of immigrants, you see, you know, flags, you see the little recorditos mm-hmm. that you get in stores, you see pictures of family from over there. You know, and a lot of that is brought in suitcases, you know. Amen. So to me, I made that post because um, it, it's a it's a big part of our lives for a lot of us, whether are we immigrated here like my mom or we're first gen kids or second gen kids going back to where we're we're kind of we're supposed to be if it wasn't for all these other factors, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I always say that, like, you know, whenever I get upset about diaspora I always say like I'm not supposed to be here <laughs> I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be in El Salvador if it wasn't for La Guerra I would have been living in El Salvador yeah. like I always mm-hmm. say that and um it, it's I guess like that I was just inspired one mo- moment when I was being homesick but not really because it's not really my home I just made that because I know that it it's 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 a different experience for a lot of people and, but it's something that we all have in common where we all kind of bring parts of Central America in our little, in our maletas. And mm. some of us are privileged to bring more so than others, mm. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. You made me cry, actually. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. No, I mean... It's like crying in a good way because I mean, I, you know, I understand your mom. Like when I came here, the only thing I brought was a book that all my classmates signed. It like 
un peluche. Aww. That's it. You know, I didn't want to bring a lot. You know, aparte de que, you know, like, I didn't, you know. So, it, like you, know, you said, it means a lot to you. It means a lot to your mom. And a lot of people who identify, you know, as an immigrant for a generation probably means a lot. And it was really nice to hear your side of it. And then I cried. Better <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> becoming a poet. In addition to <laughs> exactly, please, greater, <laughs> please, please. I mean, um, concerning my art account, it's basically like I said, I come from uh, a family of storytellers. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, I've had this art account for a year, and I feel like this has been a year where I introduced myself to mm. the world as an artist and uh, mm. there's just so many stories you know like so many cuentos that come from my my family that I'm just excited to kind of start really diving in like there's there's a lot of personal stuff there's a lot of uh history stuff like you know a lot of mythical stuff too because mm-hmm. apparently my family has history with running in with cadejos and stuff you know and uh, I've brushed mm-hmm. the surface on that And um, I'm just excited to kind of really show the world that, you know, it's not just it's not just all this like flags and food. There's there's more to it, you know, and I feel like I just kind of brushed the surface. And um, I think that like a lot of Central American families, we don't really have a lot of records of our families because a lot of the records were either we were they were too poor to be recorded (laughs) or the La Piedra destroyed records, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, I feel like my art is me finally officially putting a record on my family's Mm -hmm. history, you know? Um, because a lot of my art comes from my grandmother comes from my mom, you know? Um, they're big inspirations to my art. If it wasn't for them being great storytellers, I don't think I'd be a great storyteller. You know, I get compared to my mom all the time when I tell stories. Like, wow. My mom could sit you down with a cafecito and she'll be talking for two hours and you'll feel like those hours flew by because she's just so good. And I guess, you know, back right. in the day, that's all you had. Yeah. So um, I think I kind of expressed that through my art, you know, and um, like I said, I'm just excited to see where it'll take me. You know, um, I didn't think I would have all the support that I have. And I'm very grateful for it. Like every day, whenever I feel bad, I just see like people commenting and they're all positive, you know, and a lot of people get touched by my art. And I'm very happy because I didn't have that growing up. And I'm just glad that I have it now and I'm providing it for other people. And it's, it's been such a privilege too. I'm so happy that I listened to the advice to open my own art account. Mm-hmm. It just opened doors that as a kid, I didn't think they were there for me. You know, right. as a kid, I felt so alone. And now I kind of just go on Instagram and I don't feel alone anymore. Yeah. You know, I see people experiencing the same things, people talking and thinking about the same things, you know, people that are as concerned about the motherland as I am. You know, I follow news you know, news pages from the motherland. Cause I want to be updated. Yeah. You know, my family's there. That's where I'm from. I want, I want the best, I want the best for me gente. So I'm always like trying to keep up. I'm always asking my mom, you know, any updates about what's going on over there. Cause she's more updated than I am. Mm-hmm. And definitely my, just my art account also inspires me to keep connected. You know, there's a few times in my adolescence that I was, I would get angry. Like, what's the point? 
Mm. You know, like um, mm-hmm. there was one part where there was a there was a dance at my high school and it was bring your flags dance. And it was supposed to like wrap your flag and get together with people like you. And I, I didn't go because I knew I was going to be the only Salvadoran there. Yeah. <laughs> and my Central American friends changed schools. So I was like, I'm not going. And yeah. I was very upset about it. But now I don't feel that anger anymore. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's completely dissolved. And I think a part of it has been this experience with, you know, reaching out to people online, starting my art on my own art account. It, in fact, I feel like I'm finally healing from all of it. Being the first generation kid, like all the bad experience I I've had, I think I've carried them throughout my life and I'm finally starting to use those experiences to heal and maybe heal, help heal others, you know, or inspire people to finally start addressing that part of themselves. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm just super grateful and I feel super blessed that I was able to do all this because, again, I never thought I would, but here I am. So I have a really big smile on my face. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, I just want to, you know, as you were talking, I'm remembering earlier in the discussion when you were talking about how you didn't have that community space and you wanted to do it. And I, I just want to congratulate you because you're, cre- you've come on to not only find it, but also create one. Um, and I think that's so powerful and so beautiful and an inspiration um, for me and Alejandra and, you know, all yes. others who are also trying to find our community now. So thank you so much for your work. Well, thank you for being so receptive because definitely all the comments and support from you guys and from everybody else just helps me want to keep going whenever I'm like, eh, I don't want to do art. I just remember there's a bunch of people being like, so once the next art post, what are you going to do next? You know, and that, that definitely helps me keep going. So I'm, I'm just grateful for all the support I have. And I'm grateful that I'm able to inspire others to have conversations at least, you know, Mm-hmm. So I'm just, like I said, I'm very grateful and happy that I did all this. <laughs> and I'm so excited to see what's next, to see, you know, all your stories from abuelitas and mom coming into your art. I'm so excited. So am I, because there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it is a lot. I think you just said about Cadejo. I'm very interested on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. There, there's, there's a few stories about that. The The white and black one, so... Oh, wow. Fun times. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, I, I'm very familiar with the stories of Cadejo, so I just, I'm very curious. <laughs> I don't know anything, so please make art about this so that I can learn. <laughs> Not <laughs> <all right. laughs> when talking, I Googled Cadejo's meaning. <laughs> and I guess there's going to be some listeners here who also are going to be curious about this. So Yes, we'll yes, be, definitely. We'll look out. And I'm just also, I'm curious if, can we get your mom on the show? If she's like, if you say she's the best. <laughs> Yeah, she's willing. She only speaks Spanish, but listen. Ay, aquí hablamos, aquí hablamos español. I will, I will let her know. She's such a fantastic storyteller. She's so good at speaking, and you know, um, like I said, I'm only good at what I am thanks to her. She encouraged it. She nurtured it in me, and so did my grandmother. And I come from a long lineage, I guess, of storytellers, and I'm just doing it differently. I'm doing it through digital art because I have the means. 
Mm. So I'm just, I'm mm-hmm. here transforming it. <laughs> well, yeah. I want to say thank you so much for sharing your story today. Um, mm-hmm. It was, it was really moving. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, de verdad, Isabel. Thank you for sharing your story. And please don't forget to follow Arte underscore Bandidas. She has an amazing art. Please support her. Don't forget to check out our website at centralamericanvoices.com where you can subscribe to our mailing list. Also follow us on Instagram at Centown Voices Podcast and on Twitter at Centown Voices Pod for more updates. And don't forget to come back next week to hear our newest episode. Bye.